Hi there, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And this is the Infinity Cast, where we spill the tea on Marvel and pop culture. This week we're discussing Loki, Episode 6, For All Time, Always. So let's get into it with the recap. In the Citadel at the End of Time, Loki and Sylvie meet Miss Minutes and reject an offer from her creator, He Who Remains, to return them to the timeline with everything they desire. Meanwhile, Renslayer leaves on a mission to find free will after receiving information from He Who Remains, but not before a confrontation with Mobius. B-15 informs the Minutemen that they are variants by showing them a variant of Renslayer who is a school principal. He Who Remains reveals to Loki and Sylvie that he created the TVA after ending a multiversal war caused by his variants. As the timeline begins to branch, he offers them a choice. Kill him and end the singular timeline, possibly causing another multiversal war, or become his successors in overseeing the TVA. Sylvie decides to kill him while Loki pleads with her to stop. They kiss, but Sylvie sends him back to the TVA. She kills he who remains, unleashing a multiverse with timelines that cannot be pruned. At TVA headquarters, Loki tries to warn B-15 and Mobius, but they do not recognize him. Loki sees a statue in the likeness of he who remains that has now replaced those of the timekeepers. AKA, he who remains is Kang. We got Kang. We got Kang, folks. Kang is confirmed. None of this Mephisto all along shit. It was Kang all along. A variant of Kang. The shut-in, eccentric, been-in-the-mansion-way-too-long-by-himself Kang. Like the Immortus version of Kang from the comics. Yes, this is the Immortus version of Kang, which I found his performance to be amazing. Like, people were like, oh, it's not going to be Kang because they wouldn't, like, reveal him like this. They wouldn't just, like, waste it on a TV. Like, no, Marvel's all about the TV show shit right now. Marvel is about putting all the weight into this and putting all the energy and all the guts that went to it, so... Doing a, a, a soft release of Kang in this eccentric, sad, tragic kind of a guy. Like, he's not a villain to me. Like, I know I know the the construct of it is that he wants power and, you know, he, he controls everything in this fascist bureaucracy. But he did it to stave off something way, 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 way worse. I mean, according to him, they're all villains. Yes. But, like, that's just, he probably feels horribly, uh, you know, shameful and tragic about the whole thing. That is, Because they say, what are you afraid of? It's like me. He's afraid of him. He's afraid of himself. Yeah, I kind, I kind of feel like this is the most interesting way they could have introduced Kang. By, like, soft introducing him through a less evil variant. Not good, necessarily, but less No, evil. I don't think he's he's good. I think he, he stopped the war. This is purely devil's advocate here, but this is the... The United States military scientist Oppenheimer feel horrible about creating a nuclear bomb? Yes, yes, he did. The answer is yes. But the whole point is he weaponized something that ended the war, that destroyed all the other timelines, all the other variants, and was able to simplify this so there would be no multiversic war. So it wouldn't be this horrible destruction of everything in order to do it. By the way, when he was talking about this multiverse war, I was just getting super big like russell t davies doctor who flashbacks like the doctor talking about the great time war it was the same kind of vibe this continues to be the marvel doctor who show i mean like the way they were standing there looking over the um, tower with all of time and space for their timeline surrounding them 
It was pure Doctor Who. Yeah, I've said it before, and I will say it again. This has been the best season of Doctor Who in years. Completely, completely. Totally agree, yeah. You can tell that this guy was a big fan of multiverse stuff. And I think he was, the guy who did this is also one of the writers for Rick and Morty or producers of Rick and Morty. Yeah, Michael Waldron. He's one of the writers on, on Rick and Morty. So this guy already knows how to do multiverse shit. I mean, like, this is this is all about variants and, and multiple timelines. And, I mean... I am so infatuatedly jealous of this that this show gets to exist and have this amazing drama of multiverse variants. Watch that bifurcation model when the timeline started to thread. Like, mm, mm, mm. it was just, it was beautiful. Like, I love that science. I love the, the, the science fiction of it all. I love the science of it all. And it's just so fucking cool. And the moral choice that Loki and Sylvie had to make. I, I, you know, like, I, I, I didn't know who to go with either. Like, I got... Sylvie's desire to make everything be free and to set everything free again. But Loki's right in being like, hold on. He, like, he's not being a villain. He's trying so hard to like make the right decision here. And he's just like, just hold on for one fucking second. Oh, it was so fucking tragic how it panned out. I'm sure there is altruism in Sylvie's motives, but I think the thing mainly driving her decision was revenge. Yes, of course. But the whole point is that she, her desire is for things to be free. The desire for everyone's free will to be in order. That's what she's fighting for. It's someone who is hurt by this system. Yes, of course. She's angry. And whenever she kills and clips one of them, she doesn't care because her, her anger is worth that. Like what happened is worth it. But also the fight itself for other people. She doesn't want it to happen to other people too. So I think there is a, a, a massive amount of altruism in the sense of not wanting it to happen to somebody else. And that's how she views it. And that's where her anger exists on. And I think to say it's just anger is, 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 is unfair to the character. Just as any way you can say Loki just wants the throne. Like it, you're, you, he doesn't want power, but everyone's going to assume it's that. I don't think his motivation is about power at all right now. I don't think so either. I mean, he, he basically came out and said it. Like all he wants is for Sylvie to be okay. Which, oh my God. I mean, Tom Hiddleston, always a good actor, but really, really fucking good. Everyone's performance was so beautiful, beautiful. J Major's representation of Kang, like that eccentric, weird off. And when he snapped at Sylvie, like all those little moments. Oh, there was just, there was such delight. There was some reviewer on Twitter who said, nothing happened in this episode. It was boring. I just don't like it. I'm like, Shh, dude, everything happened in this episode. Just because it wasn't like major action sequences in a space battle, you're not happy? Get the fuck out of here. There was a lot of exposition, but it, I, I, I was enthralled by all of it. So fuck that guy. Yeah. I mean, the exposition itself was a conversation that tells so many stories. And that's the point. Like, this was such a theatrical episode, you know, like theater. You know, this was people talking in a room and making it captivating, all of it. Especially even when Mobius was 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 tr talking to Renslayer. Speaking of which, we went back to the TVA. We did go back to the TVA. And uh, season two is going to be all about, like, the shit going down and trying to reclaim Mobius to the person he was, whatever timeline we're in. God damn, it's just there's so much to unpack here. That's actually a good question. Do you think that this is an alternate TVA or do you think that Mobius and everyone has been reset? I think this might be a reset timeline. Like this is the core part of the timeline that was now altered because they killed Kang and because the multiverse now exists. So now the TVA itself might have changed. I mean, there might be alternate TVAs, but I feel like that gets on a whole level of complication that 
Marvel just isn't going to be dealing with. That does make it more complicated, but Loki got sent to that location before Kang even died. So I, I tend to lean towards it being an alternate TVA. Um, right before we get to that scene, there's like a scene of like clearly our B-15 and our Mobius. And then we get these other versions of B-15 and Mobius. So I, I think they're two separate TVAs is my read. We'll see. We, we can't know. We won't know until we see everything in a year. Yeah, which begs the question of when is season two actually going to come out? From what I understand, they're going to start production in January. So we have a few months before even production begins. Uh, you know, the, 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 the hope on everyone's mind is that they filmed everything back to back and they're just going to release it in like three months, right? No, we got a, at least a year. We got a long, long way to go, just like the song. And that intro, man, that intro was like pure contact. I love it. Yeah, no, it was really good. It was like hearing the MCU. Just all these all these little different little snippets and moments. Of the timeline that we've experienced all this time. It's like, it, this is this timeline. And it, it used that perfect Robert Zemeckis contact intro, zooming out from Earth all the way out through the entire universe until it became a giant timeline. Abstractions and uh, the effects were so beautiful and poetic. We got some real world people in there too. We got Neil Armstrong, uh, Greta Thunberg, Maya Angelou. And um, someone else. Uh, Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. That's the one. I recognize that quote. There was a lot. It was just, it was a beautiful way to introduce the whole episode before we went into this, God, this mind trip. And, and like the implications that finally it's Kang. And we knew he was going to come in for Quantumania. But the fact of the way they did it here means... There's going to we might have many variants of Kang before getting up to like the bigger, biggest, bad version of Kang. We can get the the Council of Kangs. We could get um, the storyline where I mean, this could all be Captain America's fault, you know, like from for what he did with his timeline, because there's a comic book timeline where he goes back pissed off that Captain America lived and was not supposed to live. So maybe instead of like that, it's because he went back and did the whole Peggy thing that Kang's even existing in the first place. So who fucking knows? There's just so much you can do with all this. Yeah, I, I wonder if this, I wonder if season two is going to lead in to Quantumania or if Quantumania is going to lead into season two. Because I think Ant-Man Quantumania comes out February 2023, barring another pandemic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Also, I, I kind of wonder how it's going to be Scott Lang versus Kang. Well, it could be a, a different version of Kang. Like I, they they just soft sold us this version, and then we're gonna get another version. He may have a, even a cameo in Doctor Strange or Spider Man, another version of him, and then we may need to get another version for Quantum Mania. We could get another version after that for whatever it is they're going. There is so much potential into what they're doing. When it comes to variants, we could end up with twenty different Kangs, or we could end up with just the Master Crazy Psycho Kang. But I feel like there's other shit going on here. Um, whether Quantum Mania goes to the TVA or whether Quantum Mania goes to another, like Chronopolis, like we always thought about, there's so much Kang in storylines and so many different variants of Kang in the storylines that you could do anything. Marvel's done it again while opening up this amazing vastness of, of storyline potential. And it was so right in our faces because we knew we were getting the multiverse. We knew spider-man we knew dr strange but now that we see it all framed in this loki way like shit so fucking cool yeah it's funny like we started out this year thinking that wanda was gonna cause the multiverse and it ended up being a female loki 
ended up being a female Loki. So awesome. The music was amazing. All of it was great. I can't, anyone who speaks differently about this, I don't know what they're talking about. One of my favorite things in the latter part of this episode of Loki is after they reach the threshold and Kang doesn't know what's going to happen next, I feel like he's legitimately like eating popcorn and just watching the drama play out. Oh, completely. He's he's basically like, oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, look at this. This is so fancy. People are fighting. Like he hadn't seen anything happen in front of his face in eons. He's been so alone in this castle, knowing what everything's going to happen. So finally, something is surprising. You know, it's finally something happens to him that he doesn't know what's happening next. And I think that's that's get, making him giddy and all exciting. And yeah, eating popcorn and just enjoying the show. And I was like, he's content with either of the options. He's like, listen. Either which way, you kill me, I'll be back. Whether I want to or not, that's just how it's going to happen. It's just what's going to happen here. Or, you know, you you don't kill me and you do and you continue my last work and everything's going to be okay. Sorry, you got to be fascist for a little while. Just watching him behind Sylvie and Loki as they kiss, I feel I feel like he's a reluctant shipper. I think he's into it. Oh, he totally is. He's rooting for them. He was he was surprised. He was, he was almost impressed like oh my god like i was waiting for somebody to come here and take over this gig and it was two loki's that's who it ended up with like huh, who knew wild unnatural but wild extremely unnatural hence the multiverse which fascinatingly enough again the multiverse itself is a very natural phenomenon but when you start interacting with it the way kang started to it all just gets the only question now is whether he is going to be related to Reed Richards, like there is in the comics. There was a ship out there between the Earth and the end of the galaxy in the beginning. So I know some people were talking like that represented the Fantastic Four out there somewhere. Ah! Yeah, I know. Ah! For the record, how did you feel about that kiss, though? I, I'm there for it. I, I mean, I can I can scream bloody murder at you or anything else, but when it comes to this particular Loki relationship, I loved it. Did you squee? I squeed, but then I knew something was up. Like, the music swelled as if it was something to be a high point, but I knew she was fucking saying goodbye. I just didn't know how. I thought whether she was going to kill herself, she was going to kill him, or she, I, I, that's what I was wondering. And then she threw him back into a portal. So that's how she handled it. I knew it was a goodbye. I, I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, you know, like within a second. And then then she did it. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I felt exactly as Loki felt when he like landed. And he was like, oh, God damn. And he's just running around helpless. Twitter is having like a war over this ship right now. Why? I mean, it's a metaphor for loving oneself. It's not even in the incestuous things that you and other people have with, each, with themselves. Like, you would literally fuck a version of yourself in that sense. No, this is a metaphor. Not reality. This is a metaphor, people. It's not even that narcissistic just to feel like you. there is something inside of you opposingly that you are in love with. And so Twitter needs to shut the fuck up. But that's what Twitter is for. It's for people who are loudmouth and don't really have anything else better to do than to scream bloody murder on the internet. If it's a metaphor, it's a hot-ass metaphor, and I'm here for it. And yeah, it's fine. And like, I think it's beautiful at this stage of the game. I mean, to watch Loki actually try to to be a, a real boy and to believe in himself, that's what this has happened. To be a better person for himself. Yeah, and, that, and that's because of Lady Loki, and that's also because of uh, Mobius. And there, and his arrangement without having closure with with Sif, having having emotions about Thor and Odin about his death, all those things wrapped in to see his older version of himself be over it, you know, 
old man Loki, classic Loki, was just such a brilliant character to be able to say, like, dude, we're just we're over this shit. You get over it. You just want to be with your family. I just missed my brother. It wasn't about power anymore. You know, it's, it became self-love. And it's the, the therapy in this in these shows are insane. Yeah, we are really getting a lot of emotional catharsis from like our side characters this year. It's crazy. Yeah, incredible amount. Going back a little bit, that fucking Miss Minutes jump scare scared the shit out of me. Yeah, I know. And I'm and there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be like, see, it is Miss Minutes all along. It's like, she's going to, she's working for somebody. She's working for someone. She's literally the first thing you see. No, she's the, she's the butler. She's, she's Kang's Jarvis. Essentially, yes, she's Kang's Jarvis. I cannot wait to see what they do with this. And the, I will admit I was a little nervous about Major's casting as Kang because I wasn't sure what angle they were going to do with it. And I'm so married to some of the other cartoon iterations of Kang that I wanted it to be good, like really fucking good. And I don't know how anything could live up to my head. But now seeing what they're doing, like Jesus Christ, that performance. From the moment that it just sort of casually revealed Jonathan Majors, I was just like, okay, I, I like his body language. I like his weird affect i like his just he seems like a deranged elder god who's just watched creation over and over again and run through you know basically every possible scenario yeah he's done it he's crazy he's seen it all he's done it all and he's just a lonely man in his own castle he's just tired yeah he's i'm just over this like i i'm like i'm old yeah i don't don't look at but i'm old so it's it's you guys take this over this was willy wonka in the chocolate factory this was Take over my factory. Do what you have to do. Um, that stone. I mean, I mean, like the layers of possibility that you could see, like that the stone that all that castle was made out of was in Renslayer's office. You know, I'm really fascinated to see if they connect Renslayer and Kang in some personal way, like they do in the comics. What what kind of information do you think she got from Miss Minutes? I think she got like an invitation with like possibly even a little element of what their history was at some point. Maybe they did have a history beforehand and it was erased because obviously you can erase memories in this place either that or she's about to have a history with kang maybe i mean like whether we're going she's because i feel like she learned something that was like i'm gonna go get my own free will so either he offered her a deal it feels like she's the contingency plan if the loki thing didn't work out yeah so she's gonna do her own thing and we're gonna have to come back to that at some point i feel like Renslayer and loki are gonna have to either be friends or she's going to be Kang's mistress from the start and she's going to be a complete villain. I mean, she's been such an antagonist this entire season. They could change it up or we can just double down on it later on. I bet she made a really good school principal, though. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, no, but very much her. That first offer that Kang made to the Lokis via Miss Minutes, do you think he could have actually done that? Could he have changed the timeline and put them both on it or was it just was it a test? Huh, I think he could have done it. Originally, I thought that we were going for like a man, whether it be Kang or Miss Minutes or whoever it was, was setting up the timeline so they achieved a specific goal. You know, it's like, so I just make sure I win the lottery in the timeline I want. You know, whatever has to happen in order to make sure I win that lottery, that's all that matters. But now in this case, it's more like, I don't care what happens in the timeline as long as it's really just this timeline and we don't have any others. Like this is the timeline that we did. So all this stuff was supposed to happen. So nothing else is supposed to happen beyond that. So that's what stays. He's not trying to achieve a specific goal. He's just trying to keep this timeline exactly as it is, isolated. 
So it doesn't have any branches. He did say that out loud, like that he had isolated this particular timeline. So if he wanted to start another timeline and do it, like, and basically just make sure that one's the one that doesn't get fucked up, I think as long as he moves his big pieces, it doesn't matter. Everything's still getting eaten by freaking smoke monster at the end of the universe anyway. So he he will just choose to switch over that. So yes, it could be just a test, you know, and the, his his gobstop everlasting gobstopper uh, <laughs> test. It's like, yeah, you two could rule together. You want the you want the Infinity Gauntlet? You want all the Infinity Stones? You want to win New York? You want your lady with lots of beautiful memories by your side? You can have it. I'll figure it out. Don't worry. But they were like, nah, fuck you. He could have done it. I think he could have. It could have also been a test, but I believe he's shown that he could have, and the science works. Do you think there was any significance to the smashed statue? I think that was another version. I think that was him. I think that was like him, him. And he just didn't want to look at himself anymore. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I after fighting a war against the variants of yourself, maybe I wouldn't want a statue of myself. I mean, you think about in all the classic literature and media, you know, there's always the old man who hides up in his castle and the mirrors are are turned around. The, you know, the, the paintings of himself are all ripped and shred. You know, I think of Beauty and the Beast as an example, like he doesn't want to look at himself. So he just keeps the, the foe timekeepers there as a, as a remainder. Or if all the other three were versions of him that he liked, including maybe one of himself, then the fourth one was the asshole Kang that destroyed it all. So it could be that. And you notice the, um, the stone used to make the castle, yes, was also in Renslayer's uh, office, but it's also the same stone that the eternal ship is made out of. Yeah, it's all that Tetsuge? Is that the name of it? The Japanese art of gold filling something that's broken? Kintsugi. Broken timelines, Kitsuge kind of, you know, gold filament trying to fill in and, and break what's what's there. That's 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 Kang's attempt, you know, that's Immortus's attempt to try to be benign. That's why I think that that's all metaphor and tragical, as opposed to just being, you know, a, a you know, a narcissistic asshole in, in itself. There was a lot of complexity we got there in one fell swoop. But that being said, again, that same pattern is found in the eternal ship in the beginning of that trailer. Yeah, you're right. It really does look like the same material that the Eternal Ship is made out of. Huh. It's all connected. It's almost like it's a cohesive universe. Yeah, right? It's like poetry. It rhymes. But we'll see what happens. Maybe it's connected. Maybe it's not. Who knows? We'll find out soon. Because we got Eternals by the end of the year, bitches. It could just be old celestial material. Maybe that's what his castle is built on at the end of the universe. Like celest- a cele- the last of the celestial stuff. That's what exists at the end of the universe. Just that's the only thing that made it. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's just like a big celestial skull for all we know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Maybe they'll explain that what that material is in Eternals and then be like, okay, that makes sense now. What did you think of these scenes between Renslayer and Mobius? I felt bad for him because she just would not give in and give him any kind of satisfaction to her betrayal. She, yeah, she tried to turn it around on him. She She felt betrayed. Because she can't admit any wrongdoing at all. Like, he's just trying to, like, have a conversation. And she just made it into this, like, no, I am I am in complete denial about all these things. I cannot accept this. And I'm going to go off my merry way and do my own thing. Because that's how I feel. It can't all be for nothing. So she snapped. That's the way I'm looking at it. 
And I think she snapped a long time ago. And this just, this just is like the finally falling off the cliff because she's known shit. I think maybe she had like an inkling, but I don't think she, I don't think she knew that the timekeepers weren't real. And I don't know. I don't think that I think that she knew something else was up. There was like lies that she's been forced to keep. I don't know. I just feel like there's more to her and her history and we don't know. And they're intentionally keeping that soft. It does seem that she actually cared for Mobius though. Like she was looking very longingly at those, at those glass stains. Yes, she did. She did. That was, that was a sweet touch to show that she is a person deep inside there. There is a heart, not just the cold exterior of someone who's broken psychologically inside a slave to Kang, perhaps. I think she's just going to end up being like a Kang fangirl. We'll see. I mean, in the, in the one of the original comics, wasn't she like a princess? Yeah, I think she was like a future space princess, essentially. Not the principal of a high school in 2018. And we did get her real name in the background on her on her degree. Her, her real name is Rebecca. Oh, Rebecca Renslayer. Uh, no, it's like Rebecca Tournier. It, it seemed French. Renslayer sounds way better. Way better. Yeah, actually, I think changing your name to Ravona Renslayer, good choice. It's a it's a good it's a good professional name, you know, good screen name. <laughs> As a judge, it's a huge it's a it's a big power name. Would you want to take on a lawyer named Ravona Renslayer? Oh fuck no! Yeah, fuck that. No, just just lose the case immediately. I yield, Your Honor. So, do you think Sylvie knew how badly she fucked up as soon as she killed He Who Remains? I think she suspected. I think it all came down on her and was like, what did I just do? Like, she just went on all that fire and all that adrenaline and it was over. And then she had a moment to like, Salah, you know, to to pause and consider and to be like, what shit? I I don't know how much she's going to process. I think that's just, she's going to be in shock for a while. Question is, what happens now? Where does she go? What happens to her? Is another Kang going to walk through the walls and, and and give her hell? Like, what's up? God, what a fucking cliffhanger. And we got nothing. We got no, like, after credit shit. Yeah, we didn't even get a proper post credit scene. That was the weakest shit I've ever seen. I was like, oh, he's coming back in season two. Sorry, guys. Bye. We already knew that. Ah! You end with Mobius not recognizing our Loki. You end with that sad, sad sadness. And, oh, you hurt us all. But now, what if no longer is just a novelty? What if is now, it's perfectly timed. It is. Did you did you happen to catch Tom Hiddleston on Jimmy Fallon? No, I did not. Yeah, I don't really watch that show either because I hate Jimmy Fallon. Of the late night talk shows, he is the least good. But he had Tom Hiddleston on last night. And the subject of what if came up. And Tom Hiddleston was super excited about it. And he was like, yeah, it kind of sets up a bunch of stuff that I know nothing about. Yeah, this is this is not a novelty. This is like this is not just like a all right, a special edition of this. Everybody enjoy it. Okay, it has nothing to do with anything. It's just fun for everybody. Okay, bye. This is real. This is like the, suddenly we get the multiverse and now we have a show that involves all the multiverse. Like shit. It's all part of it. Oh, my God. It's it's just thinking about like how what if is going to connect to this and how you know, Multiverse of Madness is going to connect to both and Spider-Man No Way Home, my brain. Yeah, I mean, what if might lead directly into into like one of those films? We may get like teasers into one of those things. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm almost certain that it's going to like, it's going to connect to Doctor Strange. 
Ah, so Joseph, I feel like we've been waiting our entire lives for this because you and I love this universe and we also love alternate realities and multiverse shit. Like this is like, think about the time we're alive in that. This is exactly. It's like, not only do we like sci-fi and fantasy and like shows that, I mean, like you and I are big Star Trek fans, big sci-fi fantasy fans. And we love things that are just by themselves. One film, one, one, you know, spotlight issues of, Good stories. Now, not only do we have that, we have something that's built on top of one another over and over. I mean, in itself, the story, the way Marvel has done it has given us such this open, gigantic world that people keep throwing things in. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger and more complex. And all these higher ideas keep like throwing up in this beautifully creative way. They're making a multiverse like of all their shit. It's it's and it's connecting to all the other stuff that we can all possibly enjoy and rebrand as now part of the official MCU in any way possible. It's like all the old comic books, all the old cartoon, anything you want is now official as an alternate timeline. It's the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. Yeah, it's beautiful. No more complexities, no more like canon conversations like everything's canon. Whatever you want. Enjoy, kids. (laughs) I really hope that this leads to us getting that no way home trailer because i i honestly think that this is why we have not gotten it yet i feel like they were waiting for this i do not believe we're getting it for a little maybe uh when we see eternals so you're saying that we won't get a trailer for the movie that comes out in december until november maybe shang chi no i i think we're gonna get something a little bit sooner than that um i might it might just be a teaser but i feel like we're gonna get something soon ish maybe the comic-con you know comic-con is coming up soon and they could do something for a comic-con at home i think it's sony's decision on when exactly to release it i just have this image of kevin feige like holding sony back with like a broom <laughs> i just i hope we get it soon i think shang chi that's that's my vote we'll see i hope i'm wrong i would love to see some new shit that's still september like that's only three months before the movie comes out they have three movies coming out that's like we have Shang-Chi, we have Eternals, then we have Spider-Man. Like, we do not have a full story trailer for Eternals. Why would they start promoting, like, full trailers for something that is after that? No, I'm not saying a full trailer. I think I think we get an, an Eternal-style teaser trailer soon-ish, within the next month or two. I'm going based off of kind of how things worked with Endgame and Far From Home. Like, we got, like, a teaser trailer before Endgame came out. Yeah, but they didn't have four films coming out at the same time. And I think that's the problem here is that this post-pandemic year, this year, they're just being very, we focus on this to go to there. We focus on this to go to there. Like that's, so until we clear another one, like we just cleared Black Widow, the first film since Spider-Man Far From Home. So I think they're going to focus on Shang-Chi and Eternals, and then they will focus on Spider-Man therein. Speaking of Black Widow... Everyone needs to tune in next week when we review Black Widow. Throwing throwing that out there now. That's when we're doing it. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on this episode before we go to Star Wars? I am still kind of in shock from this. I've watched it six times. I watched it three times last night. I could not go to sleep. I kept watching it over and over and over again, listening to every bit of conversation over and over again, trying to process how far down the well it could go. This morning, I rewatched... Uh, the Kang Dynasty episodes of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Like I'm, I'm remembering all this cool shit from Kang. I'm gonna go freaking read uh, some of the trades that are Kang centric. Like I'm, I'm all in on this. I'm so happy. 
and it just makes me jump for joy. And like the 15 year old me is freaking out in the most beautiful way possible. Thank you. Loki is my favorite of the three series we got so far. And all those series are hugely high on my ratings list. So Loki like really fucking nailed it to me. This show, the music, the acting, the performance, the effects, all of it, the story, where it's going, the high science fiction potential makes me very happy. So just, I just hope they keep doing what they're doing. Come on, huge, massive mega corporation. I will suck your dick. You know what? I can't help but echo basically everything you said. This episode was amazing. The show was amazing. We're going to literally be thinking about it every day until season two comes out. And yeah, you know, I was pretty torn at first, whether whether or not I liked this or WandaVision better. I gotta say, as much as I really enjoy the unique concept of WandaVision, I think Loki was my favorite. I mean, WandaVision is amazing. It, it truly is. The concept, the way it was applied, it's apples and oranges, very hard to compare. But there's something that the sci-fi Doctor Who, you know, kid in me is longing for some something more than just, I think, just even just that. It's like, I want that, that extra sci-fi epicness. And that's what this provided. Um, in a way that most shows don't do anymore. Like you don't get the Twilight Zone-esque insanity that we got here. And we, we can have a conversation about Doctor Who throughout over the years, but we don't even get that anymore. So this show really hit all the things that make me enjoy more than just entertainment, but inspiring stories. Like you're sitting in a cave and it's 10,000 years ago and we're getting a good story from the Elder. Like that's what Loki feels to me, something I want to carry on and tell people write it on cave paintings you know it's just amazing yeah i couldn't have said it better but with that we should mosey on over to our star wars corner and talk about star wars the bad batch uh, episode 11 the devil's deal did you like the episode jason i did did you like the episode joseph I really did. Uh, if I wasn't so in shock for the Loki, I'd probably have a lot more to say about it. But this was my favorite episode by far since the pilot. Completely, like, I love this episode. And what it's so sad and so tragic about the fact that this episode is my favorite is because they were in it for three fucking seconds. They were a cameo in their own series. I loved it because it was Hera and Chopper. We got, this was, but this was what we needed. We need to see what's happening from the Empire side. And, and what they're doing to other worlds. And Ryloth was such a perfect way of doing it. We got a beautiful little origin story of Hera going in there. We got to see Chopper again, which just made me so blissful. That was great. The rest, I, you know, like, again, they all were, they were a cameo in their own show. Let's see where it goes from here. But the, as, I want more of this. It's sad, but I want more of this. Give me more Hera. Well, it is a two-parter. So uh, the next week is probably going to be a lot more of the same, which is good. Yeah, and we're probably going to go and get to them, and then the Bad Batch are going to help everybody get out of the situation and escape or whatever it is. Like, we've established a connection, and now they're going to go and utilize that connection. I get it, and it was just well done in that regard because it wasn't about them. It was about the, the whole of the universe here. So it made me very happy. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I really liked the new clone character, Hauser. It seems like he wasn't affected by Order 66, probably because there are no Jedi on Ryloth. Maybe, maybe there was no Jedi in Ryloth. Maybe it's he was affected and uh, he, it's wearing off. Maybe it shows that it's not a forever thing. Maybe it he had his chip removed. But there is something going on with Hauser. 
there is definitely something going on with Hauser. And until we explore that, we won't know what it is. But something's up. Do you think that every character in Rebels is going to get like a prequel episode in the Bad Batch? Minus Ezra. <laughs> yeah, he was like one. Hera and Chopper make the most sense. We might get even a little bit more at Kanan down the line. But I mean, we got him. We could get a Zeb. We could get Zeb. I mean, if if we get another season down the line and Hera is involved again, we could see how they meet. That'd be cool. I wonder if we'll get Ahsoka at all through this while she's hiding. I mean, everyone's hiding. I agree with you. I, I think the good thing about this episode is like, it's nice to see things outside of the Bad Batch's perspective because just having the Bad Batch is like the point of view characters is kind of limiting. Like actually getting to like bounce around sort of, it, it made it feel a little bit more like the Clone Wars, which is a good thing. Yeah, originally when I when I knew this show existed before we knew exactly what story and angle they were going for, I thought the Bad Batch was going to be like they're they're trying to play both sides or they're stuck playing both sides, you know, that so we'd be surrounded by the Empire all the time. You know, it's like they'd be kind of pretending to be doing the Empire's work, but they'd be really be fighting for a source of good in between all these horrible things, you know, like being in the lion's den and having to stay there and live there. What would that be like? So then it turned out that going on the run in the, after the pilot. Okay. But then we only cycled back to the Empire's perspective like twice. So we need more of that. And this episode proved it. I agree. I look forward to the next episode. Yeah, same. That was good. Bad Batch gets a, gets a four star in my book. I mean, mostly because of Chopper. Let's just be honest here. It's no Loki, though. Well, that's the thing. It takes me a moment to even remember that the episode even existed until, you know, because I'm just still in like, oh, it's Kang. It's Kang, and there was a kiss. There was a Loki kiss, and I miss Alligator Loki. All right, so make sure to like, subscribe, and please tell your friends. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at InfinityCast, spelled Infinite A Cast. And you can email us at InfinityCast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And we'll see you guys next week.